0: And so God gave them King Saul. And King Saul turned out to be not the dream king, but a dreaded king. And so after uh, seasons of events that Saul did that was not what God required and admonished him and commanded him to do, God sent the prophet to him and said, your kingdom is coming to an end. And that brought up a man who was related to King Saul, who was serenading King Saul with the music on the harp, David. And David was anointed and appointed as king over the people of Israel. And during this time period, it was a united kingdom. So there was not a divided kingdom of the reign in in northern Israel and southern Israel. If you study the Old Testament, you know about all that. And we find that King David was a man who, who was probably... The strongest man spiritually in the Bible. We read about Samson who was the strongest man physically. And these men were used by God to accomplish different things. And David was was one of the greatest in the Old Testament. And in fact, if there was, if we could say there was a, very, a, a man who was as close to God in the Old Testament as they could get, it would be King David. And we find that King David sinned against God. And it prohibited him. To doing certain things that God wanted him to do. But God apparently put it on David's heart to build a temple. And if you've ever seen some of the uh, reconstructions of the temple. Or uh, videos showing or pictures about what the temple in the Old Testament looked like. You knew it was a gigantic facility used to offer sacrifices to God. And eventually King David gave up the ghost. And passed his kingship. To his son, Solomon. And Solomon, we believe, was the wisest man mentally in the Old Testament. And as we come to this chapter, we find in chapter 6, Solomon just had a great prayer meeting with the people, the congregation of Israel, bowing before them, lifting up his hands before God, and talking to God on behalf of his people, Israel. And here in this passage... I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, how in the world does this passage apply to me in 2018? Well, I'm glad you asked because there's three words that I want to share with you that are revolutionary. That would not just revolutionize our church, but it would revolutionize our country and our world in which we live. These three words, as I've been meditating here, I believe it's going to summarize the content of my message and, and the application that we can take and apply to our lives today. America needs Jesus. America needs Jesus with the surrounding events that we have uh, been uh, no, uh, observing on the news today we need Jesus now more than ever in the United States of America I mean the church house needs Jesus the white house needs Jesus the people in the outhouse need Jesus the people in the schoolhouse need Jesus and the people in the crack house need Jesus and in the jail house everybody who's living in the United States of America needs this man And he's not just an ordinary man, but he's the extraordinary God-man, Jesus Christ. And I believe that Jesus Christ can solve all the problems and dilemmas we face in this life. I have a key statement that goes along with my sermon title. The only hope for America is a revival back to Jesus Christ. The only hope for America is a revival back to Jesus Christ. We do not need a political reformation. We need a Holy Ghost transformation from the inside of our hearts all the way to the outside. I know what you're asking. You're saying, well, Brother Brian, how can we have revival in 2018? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because I believe that this passage of Scripture gives us principles that we can apply just like they did back in the days of Solomon. To experience an outpouring of the Spirit of God. How can we obtain revival in 2018? Well, I want to share with you four steps that we, that you and myself, can obtain revival in 2018. And it all comes from verse 14 of 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Some people have, have labeled 2 Chronicles 7 14 as the recipe for revival. And listen, you need revival. I need revival. God's people across the entire world needs revival. That is the only hope for our future as a nation and a world. Is an outpouring of God in the hearts and minds of the people of God. It's as if my people, which are called by my name. And the first one comes from the first section of this verse. And it says these... Would you read these next three words with me? Shall humble themselves. Would you read that again? Shall humble themselves. Would you say humble with me on three? One, two, three. Humble. Say it again, please. Humble. I wrote down first of all, first of four steps. Obtain revival by humbling yourself before God. Obtain revival by humbling yourself before God. In chapter 6 of 1 Chronicles excuse me, of 2 Chronicles, we see that King, Sol- that, that King Solomon is humbling himself before God by bowing his knees and lifting up his hands in prayer. We're going to talk about prayer in just a few moments, but, but here is a, it, it coincides with our lives today, that whenever we go to God, we are humbling ourselves before the Almighty God. And he is the almighty God. And, and listen, I know that, that you might think you're humble and, and, and you are lowly and meek. But but I'm, I just want to remind us all, we all have a pride problem. Every last one of us. And those who boast about their humbleness are consumed with pride. <laughs> have you ever noticed that? People stand up and say, I am just so humble. Actually, you are so consumed with pride whenever you say that. Humble people do not boast about their humbleness. Pride is. Is something we all face. And may I just say this today. That the number one reason why people do not accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Is because of their self pride. They say well I am smarter than the all knowing omniscient God. Therefore I don't need God. They say I am more powerful than the all powerful omnipotent God. And I don't need him. They say I do not need God. God extra extra read all about it we all need God every last one of us no matter what your nationality is no matter what your your financial status is no matter what you have in this world we all need Jesus Christ and the only way we will ever experience revival is if the church house humbles himself before God and says God send revival to us Back in the day, we read about the Great Awakenings in the United States and it swept across the colonies. There were two men that were instrumental in God using as instruments. Number one was George Whitefield and number two was Jonathan Edwards. You know, we read about Jonathan Edwards' sermon. Now, his sermon was was really not politically correct. His sermon was called, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. His sermon was, was about the wrath of God and how everybody will experience the wrath of God if they do not receive the grace of God. And it's interesting, you know, in all of the preaching classes that, that, that you go and study, you'll find out that what they want you, what I was trained to do, I was trained to preach without any notes. I just have my outline here on my cell phone. And In fact, you know, speaking of cell phones, I was preaching a funeral recently And I would how many of you love it when people are you're in a group message? Man, I can't stand group messages. And somebody put me in a group message while I was preaching a funeral, and here I am using my my funeral notes to preach a funeral, and all these text messages are coming through while I'm preaching a funeral. Anyways, they teach us in homiletics to preach without notes. And everybody wants to see your eyeballs. But you know Jonathan Edwards, when he preached his sermon and sinners in the hands of an angry God, he didn't use voice inflection. That means he didn't raise his voice really high and he didn't go really low. He read his sermon manuscript by candlelight in a monotone voice. And God began to move. George Whitfield was the man that plowed the soil in the colonies, traveling up and down the East Coast preaching to thousands of people. And God sent revival because those two individuals were willing to humble themselves before God and say, God, use me. God, empower me. And God, send an awakening. We need that again today. May God raise up a soldier, man or woman, boy or girl, to be used by God in a humble fashion. To share the good news of Jesus Christ are you humble would you consider yourself full of pride or full of humility if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves now notice the next two words and pray would you say pray with me on three one two three pray say it again please pray How to obtain revival in 2018? Well, first of all, obtain revival by humbling yourself before God. But secondly, obtain revival by praying to God. Obtain revival by praying to God. If you go back and you study revivals of, of, of yesterday, I love studying revivals of, of God pouring out everything from the Great Awakenings to the Welsh Revival to the, to the Haystack Prayer Meeting to, to everything all the way back to the early church and what was going on in the book of Acts. I love it and I can't get enough of it. But what you will notice in every revival, every outpouring of God is there were a group of people, whether men or whether women, it didn't really matter, but there was a group of people that bowed themselves before God and pleaded to God in prayer saying, God, send revival and perhaps we're not experiencing that in the United States is because the people of God are not willing to pray to God perhaps the pulpits of America are powerless because the preachers that are preaching in the pulpits are prayerless perhaps the congregations are not full of the power of God is because they are not praying to God we have a bunch of preachers in our world today preaching in the spirit of the flesh and not in the spirit and the power of God they're, they're using their communicative of, of abilities and order abilities, uh, hyping things up in, in in the world today. But I'm telling you something, when revival comes, we don't have to hype it up. God sends it down, and the way he sends it down is when we get on our knees and say, God, send revival. America needs Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. We all need him. Look at first Chronicles, excuse me, 2 Chronicles chapter 6. I just want to share with you just briefly, I'm not going to read every verses of this chapter, but but I would encourage you at some point today or sometime this week to just go and read this prayer. God has inspired the Word of God for us to read and study, and He's provided these specific prayers by different people from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament for us to learn and glean from from them and how they prayed. But in this chapter, chapter 6, this is an entire prayer that Solomon prayed to God. And I want you to look at verse 12. It says, and he stood before the altar. Now, I want to pause right here and just say this. That I know we call this the altar. But this is just not really an altar. We can come up here and we can lay our burdens down up here. It's fine. We can call it an altar all we want to. But the altar of the New Testament was the cross of Calvary when Jesus died and he paid the penalty of sin so that we could receive life and have it more abundantly. In the Old Testament, they brought the altar, they came to the altar with sacrifices, with the doves, with the pigeons, with the lambs, and they would would place them there and they would offer them as a sweet-smelling savor up to God and he would accept those offerings and those sacrifices. And the sacrifice that God accepts now and the only sacrifice that he accepts is when the Lamb of God was slain on Calvary. So if you try to go to God in any way, shape, or form, any other way, the Bible says you're a thief and a robber. So, with that in mind, he stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel. So, imagine just being in a large congregation of an entire nation, and Solomon standing up at the front, kind of like I am, and standing right up here at the front where the altar was. And it says, he was there, and he spread forth his hands. And then the Bible goes on to talk about how he said, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven nor in earth, which keepeth covenant and showest mercy unto thy servants that walk before thee with all thy heart. Now we're not going to read all of this, but I want you to know that, remember in, in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, it begins with what word? What word does that verse begin with? Shout it out. If. Say if. If. Now notice in Solomon's prayer in chapter 6, look at verse number 22. The Bible says of 2 Chronicles 6, verse 22, If a man sin," okay? The reason why God responded with an if is because Solomon prayed with an if, a conditional uh, statement saying, if a man sin against his neighbor. And he goes on to list this. And he talks about it in more detail. In verse 22 it says, And if thy people Israel be put to the worst before the enemy, because they have sinned against thee. And then he goes on to say in verse 28, and it says, if there be dearth in the land, if there be pestilence, if there be blasting or mildew, locusts or caterpillars, if their enemies besiege them in the cities, whatever sickness, whatever sore there be. And now look at verse 34. It says, if thy people go out to war against their enemies by the way that thou shalt send them and they pray. Look at verse 36. It says, if they sin against thee. Now. Now. I like this verse because, in parentheses, I believe the Holy Spirit of God gives us just a little bit of commentary. It says, For there is no man which sinneth not. I know you might think you're perfect. I know you might think you're a little goody-two-shoe from the Roanoke Valley, but you're not. We are all sinners, and we have all come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, But God demonstrated or commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Loves us even in the midst of our contaminated sin. And there is nobody on this earth apart from Jesus Christ who is walking or living who is sinless. So he goes on to speak. In verse 37 it says, yet if they bethank themselves. Then in verse 38 it says, if they return to thee with all their heart. And he's praying and he says, if all these things happen, God will you forgive them. And God will you come back and reign supreme in their lives. And then verse number 1 of chapter 7. The Bible says that when Solomon prayed these things, the fire came down from heaven. I'm talking about revival fire that you've never experienced before. God sent down a fire on the altar and it consumed the altar and then the smoke from that uh, filled the entire facility. And they couldn't see because the glory of God was there. What we need now more than ever is the glory of God in our meetings. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. And then we read the verse, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, this is God speaking, and pray. He goes on to talk about in verses 16, or really verses 15 all the way to 22, that if they do these things, then yes, I will forgive them. He says it here. Then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their lamb. You know, it's interesting. The only way to ever receive forgiveness from God is to ask him for it. You know, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're here today and your sins are not forgiven in the eyes of God, I solemnly submit to you, you need to get things right with God before it's eternally too late. May I just, just, just pause here and just take you back to the 1960s? Remember, back in the 1960s, what happened? Before I share that with you, I came across this, this thing on, on, on Facebook. Facebook can be good every now and then. It was a, a T-shirt and it said, Dear God, why do you allow so much violence in our schools? Signed, a concerned student. Dear concerned student, I'm not allowed in schools, God. Back in the 1960s, Our country passed a law saying that teachers in the public school system were not allowed to have teacher-led prayer. Then that began to influence them about teaching biblical principles. And if you've never seen Time Changer, it's a movie, a Christian movie, you need to go see it. Because in the movie it talks about this, how you cannot teach good morals without Jesus Christ. Because if you say, well, um, uh, Brian, you shall not lie. Well, says who? That's what I'm going to say. And if you say, well, it's just it's just the, the part of our society. No, no, God says not to lie, therefore you should not lie. And so if we try to teach young people good morals without the Savior, it results in chaos. And then in the 1960s, we've seen an increase in, you name it, we've seen it. Whether it is sexual promiscuity, infidelity, homosexuality, or incest, or rape, or school shootings, murder, whatever alcoholism drug abuse we've seen a rise in it since then and i think there's a direct correlation to taking teacher-led prayer out of schools and teacher-led bible study out of schools and let me just tell you something go back 50 60 70 years ago and you don't see all the issues that we have today in our schools so the solution is jesus jesus can solve these problems I'm not saying we need to do all the different things that everybody's doing and there's no amount of laws we could ever pass that would solve these issues. The only thing that could solve it is a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And by praying to God that God would step in and send revival. And I have to just say this as well. For a long time, I was taught this. Listen, when I was in school, this is not a sermon against any method of education. Please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm saying that I w- went to public school from, grade, from kindergarten all the, all the way to grade 12. And I was taught that I was the product of Darwinian evolutionism. If you teach somebody over a long period of time and often enough and long enough and loud enough that they're nothing more than an animal, sooner or later... They're going to start acting like one. And just maybe. Just maybe. The reason why everybody's acting like animals today is because they've been taught that's all they are. But I tell you today, I will remind you, all of us here, no matter if you're from Africa, America, North America, South America, Central America, Asia, Australia, Europe, or Antarctica, or the islands of the sea, you are made in the image of Almighty God. And it's time we start treating each other like it. Obtain revival By praying to God, may God put it on our hearts and minds to lift up our voices to him and say, God, send revival to our schools. There's been many schools, public schools, private schools, and homeschool groups who have experienced the outpouring of God through revival when they get on their knees and they beg God for it. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves... And pray, and now check out these next few words, and seek my face. Would you say seek with me on three, one, two, three? Seek. Say it again, please. Seek. I wrote down thirdly. How can we obtain revival? Obviously, America needs Jesus, but we obtain revival by humbling ourselves before God, by praying to God, but now thirdly, obtain revival by seeking God. Obtain revival by seeking God. Now, I shared this with you on a Wednesday night, but um, I just felt led to share it with you again because it really goes well with this passage. But several years ago when I was still living with my parents' house, I just had a regular routine, regular routine morning. Got up, spent some time, you know, with the Lord, got ready, and then went on my way. But, but I grabbed my keys, okay? I grabbed my keys to my car, just the same key, actually, same car that I'm driving. And I put the key in the ignition. Turned that ignition on. Pulled out of the driveway. Took a left on Bethlehem Road and started driving down to Boone's Mill. The, town of, the big old town of Boone's Mill. And when I got to the stoplight and on my way there I said to myself, Wow, Brian. You're, Brian, you're an idiot. You forgot your keys. You need to go back home and get your keys. So I turned around and in the first spot I could. and I Remember, the keys are in the ignition. And I drove all the way back home and I... Took the keys out of the ignition, put them in my pocket, and I searched everywhere in the house for my keys. I walked into my room, and I said, oh, man, I flipped up everything now. I'm not the most neat guy in the world, you know, I keep a a, a relatively clean house, but it is kind of cluttery at times, and I like to say it's an organized mess, and God understands it. Anyway, so I start flipping through all the things on my desk, all these papers, all these books and everything, and I go everywhere, everywhere I thought of, and then finally the light bulb went off and said, Brian Hall, Brian, you're really an idiot. Your keys are in your pocket. (laughs) I share that with you to say this, that the way I was seeking out to try to find my keys is the way we ought to seek after God. Search him, the Bible says, with your whole heart and you will find him. Here it's time that we get a hold of God and we seek him first. Remember what Jesus said? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Do You want financial freedom? Seek God first. Now, I'm not saying God's going to provide you with a $1.5 billion check in the mail. But all I'm saying is this. that If you put God first, God's going to provide for all of your needs. And there's no need to worry about it. When God is first, put him first. God and the Lord Jesus Christ commands it. And if we want to experience revival like they did in the days of Solomon, then we have got to seek God. We have got to put him first. We have got to make him first and foremost. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. do you hear that? Turn from their wicked ways. I wrote down fourthly. Obtain revival by turning back to God. Obtain revival by turning back to God. You understand Who is talking to who? In chapter 6, Solomon is talking to God. In chapter 7, God talks to Solomon. And Solomon is praying on behalf of not a heathen nation, but the people of Israel. The Hebrew nation. The people of God. God's chosen people. And he he begins to pray and says, God, if, if, if your people do this, then will you please do this? And God says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. You see, if, if you know anything about the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, when you read the Chronicles and the Kings. At one point, they are just worshiping God. But then the next point, they build a grove up and they're just worshiping a pagan goddess or God that the all the other heathen nations worshipped. They were up with God. They're close to God one moment and then far away from God the next. Sounds like you and it sounds like me, doesn't it? How sometimes we are very close to God, so close to Him we can hear, we can smell His breath. I say that respectively. But then there's times that we are so far away from God that when He is shouting to the top of His lungs, we can't even hear Him. And here it says that if you turn from your wicked ways. In other words, this word turn, it means to come back to. And it's time that the church of God comes back to God. It's time that the nation that was once found upon biblical principles comes back to God. It's time that the world that was created by God and for God to come back to God. Do you want revival? Well, it begins by coming back to God. You know, maybe you're you're one of the lost sheep of the fold. Maybe at some point in your life you have strayed away. And sometimes you can't stray away. I might have shared this with you before, but a few years ago, Brother Dave and and Robbie somehow and Josh talked me into going hiking overnight on the Appalachian Trail. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. And I promised them I'd go, so I went. And um, we were staying in one of the shelters on the Appalachian Trail. We hiked from Catawba all the way to Daleville. And it, it, was, it was an enjoyable experience, except for when I was trying to sleep at night. I was sleeping in a, in a shelter, and there was another guy that we didn't even know sleeping in the same shelter with us. And, and I walked into the shelter, and there was a string hanging down, and it had a little can on there. And I said, hey, guys, what's that string and can for? I might be from Boone's Mill, but some things I just don't know. And I said, what's that, what's that string and can for? And they said, oh, it's for the mice, so it won't get on your bag when it's hooked there. I said, excuse me, did you say mice? <laughs> Whew. Man, I didn't sleep a wink that night because everything that moved in that, in, that, in, that little, in that little shack, I thought it was a, a big old mouse or a rat crawling around. I thought it was going to get all over me. I said, hey, R- Robbie, did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't say anything to Brother Dave and Josh because they were, they were knocked out cold. I don't know how they were sleeping in that hard wooden floor. But anyway, so, so we go and we, we start going. And, 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 and somehow, Robbie and myself get, get, get split up from Josh and Brother Dave. And uh, I noticed that we stopped seeing the, uh, the white mark on the apple, the trees. You know, if you've ever been hiking on there, you know how the marks on the trees. And I said, hey, uh, Robbie's an e-scout, eagle scout. And I, I knew he, he would get me back on the trail. My GPS wouldn't work, so I knew, I knew he had to be it. And I said, hey, hey, hey Robbie, uh, is it just me or, or, or have you not seen that, that white mark on the tree? He said, yeah, yeah, I don't think I've seen it. And we were supposed to be on top of the, the big cliff. And somehow we got down underneath the bottom of it, walking all the way through the mess. And somehow, by God's grace and mercy, we got back on the trail. And I was having a shouting fest in my mind. (laughs) I said, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Somebody touched me. (laughs) I said that to say this. That just as we got back on the trail, there's times in our lives where we stray away from God. And we've got to get back on the path that God wants us to walk. And if you're here today and you're off that path just a little bit, God wants you back on it. And he will bring the right people into your life to get you back on that trail. America is off track. You know it, and I know it. It does not matter what your political stance is. I really could care less, to be honest with you. What we need to do is to keep... Going out into our world and sharing Jesus Christ because He is the answer and He can send revival. America needs Jesus. The only hope for our nation is a revival back to Jesus Christ. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbryanratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at, Pastor Brian Ratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you, and have a great week.